Hello and welcome to the next episode in Startup Diaries. Today we're joined by Sam Lowe, who is the, is the founder of both Barber and Beauty, two applications you'll hopefully download onto your phone. Uh, Sam tells us about his journey into from marketing into creating a hopefully disruptive technology for the beautician industry. He talks about how he's actually learning to delegate and pass up jobs to, to, to his team and being able to pass over little bits of responsibility and power, uh, which I guess a lot of founders struggle with. He also, also speaks about how he's actually building two different user bases, one as an end user, a customer, B2C, but also one as a, a beautician and barber having to increase usage on both sides of, of the customer base. Sam also talks about how he values the business when it had minimal revenue before then gaining that investor. Um, there's a lot in this episode, so hopefully you enjoy it. Um, so Sam, welcome uh, to the podcast. Really appreciate you joining us today. Um, do you want to give a quick introduction of yourself and tell the listeners a little bit about you and your journey? Yeah, for sure. I mean, thank you, first and foremost, for having me on the podcast. Uh, so I'm Sam Lowe, founder and uh, kind of CEO of both the companies for the time being. Um, so Barber and Beauty are basically on-demand platforms, Bob, Barber and Beauticians, Barber and Beauticians to go on to um, and basically advertise their services on a booking platform. And then you as a customer, you're booking them online, paying online, and then they're actually coming to you. So it's more of a bringing these industries into the into 2021. Um, so I mainly come from a, a marketing background and obviously that's just kind of developed as time goes on and just thought the, the product fit in the market is perfect. So I think it was time to push. So I took the plunge, if you will. Great. Where, where did the idea come from then? How did you, suddenly, you know, coming from your marketing background, where did this sort of start to sit in your mind? Yeah, so I've got um, a few friends in both uh, barbering and who are beauticians. So one of the main things that kind of is very evident in the industry is the, I want to call it almost a, a kind of pay discrimination, if you, if you might. Basically, what you don't realise, obviously, going into a salon is most of the time there's quite a big percentage that actually goes back to the salon owner. Um, and the actual professional may walk away 50% of the actual service that they that they provided. So it was more kind of a learning about the industry, wondering why this actually happens. And obviously it's just basic economics. And then from there, just developing it and wondering why. I mean, my whole life's on demand, Uber Eats, Airbnb, actual Uber for traveling. Um, there was just no kind of, no product for, for, barber, for barbering for myself because for me to get to the barbers, it's a, it's a nightmare. And then obviously queuing, waiting, um, you can't guarantee that your barber is going to be available, et cetera. So it's just kind of, it was a product that was built for me initially and then kind of sculpted to, to fit the whole public, really. Well, I think as we were saying off, off there, it's uh, unbelievably well-timed with the people coming out of lockdown, <laughs> <laughs> needing to be sheared rather than having a haircut at the moment. <laughs> and a bit of an afro so uh, you're looking to release four around the, the time which lockdown eases significantly in the uk if i'm correct around the 12th of april yeah so we're hoping that the platform is ready for the 12th of april um although we will actually be only launching in kind of our home cities to start with which is derby um, and then kind of expanding through the midlands as as the progressions are made but it's just kind of a sneaky test to start with in in our home city making sure that everything works and everybody's obviously loving the platform and then from there we'll just be growing across the uk 
How do you how do you make sure that the app is functional then and that your downloaders will want to want to keep the app uh, on on the on the phones? Um, so to start with, we're actually bringing the platforms out on kind of more of a website. Um, the reason for this is to basically just make sure that obviously the service is good enough to function as an app. And obviously, when you when you use something on a website, you want an app in the end, and it obviously helps with conversion rate, et cetera, when the app does come out, that people will want an easier service. Um, I'd say one of one of our features that we're actually bringing out for, for both of the platforms is actually kind of a recurring booking feature. So, I mean, for you, if you were to get your haircut normally once a month, um, you could choose your, your barber on our platform and they would actually come to you once a month. All you have to do is kind of schedule that and then the rest is kind of handled by us. And then we just obviously send you a reminder a couple of days before just to make sure that you're, that you're not up to anything else. Now, that, I think in the modern world of people working from home now, that's going to be something that's going to grow and grow. I mean, typically myself, I've always got it when I've been in the office, gone on my lunch hour, nipped out. But I guess more flexibility seems to be coming into the work-life balance of you know employees, employers, you know people in the workforce. I'm guessing that that actually will be quite a useful feature for, for say, I don't go into the office every Monday. I could get my haircut booked in for a lunch every Monday, every month. It would be a repetitive thing and I'll always well, hopefully be here. So that'd be quite a, is that something that you were thinking about or is it, how did that kind of come to? Yeah, so I've actually had a few kind of brief conversations with companies who were thinking about using our platforms as more of a wellness for their actual employees. Because obviously sometimes working from home is quite lonely and some people, obviously working from home, you're, you're not in your, you're not in your suits and you're not in your in your blouse, you're more likely to be in your comfier clothes. So it's nice to, to feel, obviously, to feel good about yourself and obviously getting a haircut, getting your nails and getting your eyebrows done. It makes you feel good about yourself and obviously releases the, the right hormones. So, yeah, it's definitely something that we've had conversations about and something that we will be growing on in the future. I think um, you're probably our earliest staged business coming onto, onto the podcast. So, um what I'd love to kind of understand is really how you initially got the product rolling. Cause I think when we spoke first, you, you obviously started by bootstrapping and then you, I think you've kind of fell into the opportunity to gain some investment. Can you kind of tell us about that journey today? And, and I guess as much the pros and the cons of bootstrapping and then gaining investment as a, as a smaller business. Yeah, for sure. I mean, initially it was, it was more wanting to bootstrap the idea just so, if any changes were needing to be made. I mean, I was actually going to build the platform myself um, more on a, a basic website, just obviously beta test it. Um, and then obviously I'd have control over it, but it was more not coming from the, the startup VC kind of industry. It's hard to put a valuation on a company that's obviously, that has nothing, that literally has no IP, uh, no staff, no logo. It's just a, a concept. And it's something that I battled with for quite a while. And then obviously, when the opportunity came along for investment, it was, what do you kind of need? And then that just fell into place. But I'd say that for us, bootstrapping in the future would be a nice thing to happen. But obviously, especially nowadays, cash is kind of key when it comes to, to growing because you don't want to be stagnant and obviously have competitors come along and, and it just comes into kind of a cash war and you're kind of stuck two miles behind. So I think it is important, especially wanting to keep kind of the equity and control over the company. I mean, especially for me being a 21-year-old, the many VCs and angels that I'd probably be seen as um, inexperienced, immature, and probably lacking what needs to 
what needs to happen to be a CEO and to take the company where obviously we want it to go. But I feel like that was something that held close to my chest just to be able to retain that, the market growth, et cetera. But how, how did the investment come around again? It was a, just a, was it a, a sort of a coincidental meeting or fortunate sort of connection? How did that, that yeah, work? Yeah, so it was actually a, it was actually a really bizarre coincidence where I had a meeting with a local Derby businessman, got talking about random things, and then the conversation happened around that. And then it was, tell me more about it. Let's have another meeting to discuss it. And then from there, it kind of it evolved and evolved. But to start with, I had obviously no, um, no kind of thought process going in there that I wanted any investment or, or even talking about the business itself. So it was a coincidence, but obviously it was a great coincidence in the end. Uh, awesome. With um, with this type of product, you're obviously having to, you have two aspects of having to build up. You have to build up your your, your customers, but you also have to build up your your your, your portfolio of barbers, beauticians. I don't know if you'd call them clients. I guess maybe. Um, yeah. How do you when you're building this? Then how are you prioritizing your marketing? Who comes first, the, the customer, or the barber? Yeah. So it's uh, I'd say that all peer to peer platforms come under kind of this chicken in the egg thesis who comes first the barber or the or the customer um and i mean for us as a platform we're more barber centric just because if the barber's product is perfect then it should be no different than going to a barber shop and obviously then the barber looks after the customer um but this platform i'd say is more for barbers themselves and obviously the customer benefits are, are huge as well but we will be focusing on the barber but obviously the customer service will Will be top notch and obviously the the ease of the service and kind of ux of the design will be customer centric but apart from that we're we're edging towards a professional just to make sure that it's a service that they can use and to be fair the, the platform was made so they can earn more money and they can be more in control of their lives so it's something that we wanted to carry on later on the line so the way it's going to work is the barbers are going to obviously be the early adopters of this and they're going to drive it through their social media channels, their connections, their networking customers themselves to, to use it as a platform for booking and um, then spirals from there. So no, so we have quite a few partners um, in every kind of, in most industries and also kind of most age segments. So 90% of the marketing is actually done on our behalf, kind of bringing uh, the, the customers to the platform and then obviously their services are listed but then we will be providing social media kits, et cetera, for them to kind of grow their following personally, because it's obviously important for them to get the bookings from the people that that they obviously have brought forward. So, Okay, that's great. And when you, when you were about this then, doing the research into the products, how, how did you go about that? And, and ultimately, what did you find as well when you were scoping through your research, scoping the product? Yeah, so I tend... I stayed completely away from kind of the friends and family that I knew that were in the industry because obviously I didn't want a biased opinion. I wanted I wanted the opinion of people that deal with this day to day and who realistically don't care about hurting my feelings, etc. So um, it was more figuring out on the especially the barber side because the beautician side, this has been something that's been going on for a while and and the product's really just ready to be made. But for the barber side, it was what do the bar what does the barber actually want to get out of their work um, do they feel they're being paid enough um, do they like their hours do they like kind of being refined to to sitting in a barbershop and waiting 
Um, how did the bookings work? How did they feel about obviously um, cash payments, etc.? So it was it was just building up kind of a, a forte of questions and just hitting anonymous barbers for a long period of time just to get as much data as we could get. And luckily, the data kind of was expected and helped the kind of business grow because it was it's an area that the barbers really want. So. But yeah, I'd say that it was it was just important to find out what they wanted first because obviously we don't want to build up a product that that the customer wants but the barber doesn't want, if you know what I mean. So what what's been one of your biggest challenges then so far? Obviously you started the product from scratch on your own. What's been yeah, what, what's been the biggest hurdle to overcome? Um, I'd say personally the biggest hurdle has been I've been quite used to kind of rejection when it comes to um, starting partnerships when it came to kind of early stages when I was kind of looking at investment um, but I'm kind of used to that kind of so I say one of the main things that that was really hard for me to to get across was bringing in the right talent that obviously can bring this product forward but realistically they have great jobs at the moment so it's kind of bringing them out of the comfort zone into a company that obviously startups are, are very risky so do you risk your future at a a stable company for a startup that could kind of that could bust or blow. So it's uh that's something that's that I kind of really struggled with at the start because it was kind of pivotal to me that we had a great team, but building that team harder than harder than it's made out. How how do you sell it then? Because obviously, I mean, some of the greatest companies now, you know, the biggest companies in in the world have actually. You know, don't know compared to like a Facebook and you know there's these companies that have gone from zero to 100 I think you know there's one in London at the moment called Hopin or they're one of the fastest to unicorn status how, how do you convince someone to join you at such an early stage for that journey to, to becoming a, you know a well-recognized brand and tech business so I think one of the main things that regardless of kind of salary and what this person can bring is that they actually have passion for let's say if they have passion for the for the industry if they enjoy um if they enjoy having the work carried out themselves um they enjoy kind of the the social side of life when it comes to social media etc and that they really want to push a brand out there because there is people that are maybe looking at entrepreneurship and thinking they'd love to be a part of it but they wouldn't necessarily like to start it themselves they like to kind of hop on at a time where they can deliver their best their best work to the to the startup but not necessarily start it themselves so it's about finding them people i'd say um but yeah i mean on our side we're i think one of the main things is i'm very transparent and i wouldn't over promise so i think kind of going through what we what we could do is nice but it's it's kind of about seeing this is what the market is this is what we want to do on your side, obviously, this is what you currently do. Um, if you believe in the product, then you'll obviously be able to look past the the bust or blow startup bubble if you want. Um, and if you believe in it, then it's obviously it has could have tremendous growth, and it'd be nice to to build a team around that. Uh, that's, that's, that's a fair point, actually. I think a lot of the a lot of the challenges is, is kind of having to sell on the potential and the excitement, isn't it? Really. Yeah. You could do and, and look, we're we're good at this, we're rubbish at it, but you could come in and solve this problem, like solve yeah. this question for us. I think that's a good way to go about it. 
with with obviously something you alluded to earlier around that angel investment, the discussions around that, uh, could you tell me a bit about how you valued the products in the end? Because you said it was, it was obviously tricky when you've not really launched. So how do you get people bought into what you're going to do when you yeah. have share? Can you tell us a bit about that, that, that journey itself? Yeah, so coming from a kind of marketing background, you know exactly how much stuff costs. And I know for the platform that we wanted to build, how much it had cost and how much kind of the future app development um, software, et cetera. Um, and then obviously the team going forward, how much it would realistically cost. So it's just about getting kind of a base figure out there to start with working with that. And obviously working with, it was very important with me that I would work with a, the guy that I work with who's invested, he actually is quite hands-on. I didn't want somebody to just kind of pass me the money and and kind of, they were there, lost your ticket. It was more kind of a, if we're going in, into this together, I'd rather you be a part of it. And obviously when you think this needs changing, we need to do it together. Because I do think that teamwork definitely builds forward. Because I think sometimes when you're in, you can get very, very lost in, in the moment. So yeah, it's just about having somebody on board that obviously could see the vision, but also wanted to be a part of it themselves. Yeah, we, we've discussed this sort of thing quite a lot with with uh, the people we've been interviewing, and I think it's that getting the right fit, the right person who, like I say, believes in you, believes in the products, and can support you through that as well. You say it's still a team; it's not here. I'm giving you money, make it happen. It's yeah to do it. I think that's that's a lot of what we've, what we've learned. So it's good to to hear that you've experienced that. Um, as well with with obviously going back a step actually you obviously start speaking about growing the team can you tell us a bit i know one of the things we, we discussed pretty often prepping for this was around that you having to learn to delegate and ultimately hand out um that responsibility to others how, how have you found growing the team and how have you found that delegation and sharing out responsibilities and defining roles for people yeah i think it's something that i struggle with just because i'm so deep and involved in the in the product and I felt like if anybody was to make a mistake I'd rather it be me so it's on my head because it's it's not nice when somebody else makes a mistake and you have no control over it it may it may make me look come across as kind of a control freak but it was more kind of just making sure that if the product did go wrong that it was kind of in my hands but like anything I would much rather um, somebody else deal with something that I'm not necessarily good at because then the product's been on excellence rather than kind of a make do fastener for, for now so it's something that I've grown to really to really enjoy and kind of delegate and make sure that the kind of the the tasks are being dealt by experts in the field if you want so, so yeah it's been a nice experience yeah look it'll be a massive learning curve I know I've struggled with it in the past when growing a team here and um, you want to just you want to empower others but sometimes you just it's those early days where you're kind of like, oh, <laughs> kind of yeah. trust them. But, you know, that's why ultimately why you hire people, isn't it, to be experts in other areas. But um, I, I get you there. Um, so how, out of interest, so post, you know, launch, post, post lockdown, uh, yeah. how do you plan to evolve this product? Can you tell us anything around it? What will be, um, so that what will, what, what you, yeah, what do you think that this, yeah, the product will do post lockdown once it's first released? So I feel like once the the product has been tested to the point where both parties are happy, um, I don't think that will take very long at all. Um, and we can kind of go for mainstream mainstream adoption. Uh, one of the main fe- features that we want to bring forward is actually 
having scheduled bookings. So I know for me that, and for a lot of men and for a lot of women, uh, that they, they love the routine of having their nails done every month or the hair done every three weeks. So it's nice to kind of, for us to be able to take the stress out of your life, you find a barber or beautician that you like, and then we can schedule appointments with them for the next kind of six months and then just send you reminders as and when it happens. So you've not got to stress and think, oh, my hair's getting a bit long, I need to sort it. But then there's a two week, there's a two week wait. And then by the time that happens, you look like Wolverine. So it's, um, it'd be nice to, to take the stress out of everybody's hands. But I feel like that's where the service is going more of a, more of a kind of background, a background app that, that just takes care of stuff for you. No stress. That's fair. I mean, to be honest with you, I feel like I look like Wolverine right now with this <laughs> terrible beard <laughs> and hair combination. <laughs> but you, you're completely right, though, in that sense. I, I was literally just after payday. It's not, uh, it's just that that trigger that I've just been paid. Actually, first thing I want to do is get my hair cut. Like, that's how my mind works. So if it's that first Monday of the month, you know, it would make sense to me to, to do that. Um, do, do you think that this will, well, the barbering and beauty industry will start to change itself and what that will look like? Not necessarily off the back of this product, but do you think post lockdown that might evolve as well? For sure. I know that a lot of, uh, I mean, the barbershops have obviously taken a huge hit when it comes to having to, to close their stores, etc. But then with the government support that's come on and obviously the, the government support that they'll be getting in April, there's kind of light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, but for the actual barbers and beauticians that, that work there, um with the kind of the the way that payments work with when it comes to cash and then obviously the payments are all kind of all over the place and it's no secret that some of these businesses they're not necessarily declaring everything i think that a lot of people have have really struggled with the government support because they've realized that actually the money that they've been kind of earning isn't enough or maybe they need help managing how they earn and maybe looking to optimise how much they earn. So I think that there's a lot of anger within the industry when it comes to not being able to work and having kind of a boss over you when really you're self-employed. Um, and obviously nowadays everything's on demand. So it, it, it makes sense to kind of bring this industry fully on demand and hopefully we can be the platform that, that it's kind of your go-to. Yeah, good. No, exciting. I hope that, you know, obviously best of luck with it. I hope it does go all too well. Uh, come, come the 12th, um, with just one final question that we ask all of us, all our uh, interviewees on the podcast, really. Um, what sort of, I guess it would be quite a good one for you because you're quite fresh into it. So if there's any budding potential entrepreneurs who are listening, what advice would you give to someone who's just starting their own business? Okay, so I started doing marketing for family and friends that kind of, 16 17 straight kind of out of school just for free just kind of out of out of hobby just showing them how to use social media and then it kind of evolved to running ads but it was never seen as i enjoyed it more than i wanted a payday so it's always kind of seen as a hobby and i feel like in business it has to be a hobby because if it's just a payday then it's never going to last because obviously money in business comes and goes and it takes a while to get to the stage where you feel comfortable um, and then another thing is you need to have one of the three skills. You need to be either good at sales, marketing or accounting. Because them three, you'll come to realise that a pivotal, <laughs> pivotal day to day. Um, and without that, I think you're really struggling. You really have to, to build a team around you to kind of support you. Um, and obviously starting, starting from scratch on your own, you don't always have the, the financial capacity to hire 
to that kind of stage. So, yeah, and obviously you've got to be resilient because the amount of times, even even when when your business is really flowing, not that we're on that stage now, but you're just going to get constant hitbacks and two steps forward, one step back. It's just kind of life, but in businesses, it's a lot more common. But as long as you can kind of ride out the storm and you know you know where the business is heading and you're passionate about it, I feel like it's a great journey to be on. Great. Now, how, how, how are your accounting skills then? Because I imagine you make up the other two, those three. <laughs> we actually have accountants, so that's how I got the, the accounting skills off. <laughs> and actually something i would like to dig into is something that's come up a few times on on the podcast is that kind of mental health because you you know you've ultimately gone it alone and you're only you know you've had solid over you know 12 over 12 months of putting this together how do you keep going how do you in those moments of like oh how am i going to do this how do you kind of persist be that resilient person and, and focus on the goals I genuinely feel like if you if you are passionate about a, a business or the way kind of a change in an industry, um, then you see the the knockbacks as kind of inevitable because at the end of the day you're just a, a small guy kind of trying to grow. So there's obviously going to be doors that aren't going to need going to be open for a while. Um, but I'd say that in in everything that I do, I kind of have a plan a plan A, B, and C just in case because obviously if you get your hopes up on plan A, then and it doesn't go right it really does it really would affect you um and like i said earlier the the guy that actually invested in me we have a close connection so i'm not really secluded we have daily daily uh, catch-ups etc so it's nice to to have kind of a support bubble around you that's not necessarily your family because if your family aren't in business then then they don't understand it yeah that's fair that's fair no, look that's awesome look uh yeah, thanks for all that insight, Sam. And obviously, from our side, best of luck when you release this. Hopefully, we'll be the following week from the release of the podcast. So hopefully, we'll get some uh, some marketing through this. Um, but fingers crossed for you. And uh, really appreciate you joining us on Startup Diaries today. Um, for anyone who's, who's listening and wants to connect with Sam um, or myself and ask questions, we're both on LinkedIn. Um, we'll be able to put sort of links to the connections in the podcast. Um, but yeah, thanks again, Sam. Hope you all enjoyed it. Thank you very much for your time, Chris, and uh, thank you very much for the opportunity. Yeah, no worries.